All right. Well, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. We're looking at a little story there. Page, uh, it's on page 59. Looking at verses 8 through 16. And as you turn or as you find your place in the bulletin, let me, uh, let me ask you to complete the following sentence by filling in the blank. We won the victory through blank. We won the victory through what usually comes to mind. We usually think of through our power, through our skill, through our intellect, uh, through our superior numbers. When was the last time you heard someone say, we won the battle through prayer? That's what this sermon is titled, Victory Through Prayer. God gives us victory through our prayers to Him. Oh, that we would believe that more. Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is the, the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story. Uh, so many years ago, and yet so important for us today. We see a true beauty in this story, that you are a God who is eager to hear our prayers. Oh, that we would believe that. Oh, that in this hour, your people would be transformed more and more into people who seek victory through prayer, prayer to the throne of grace, where you are eager to listen and to provide for your people. For now, be with us by your spirit and impart this truth to us, that we may walk with great strength and fortitude in the grace you give us. Amen. So kids, have you got your Christmas lists all prepared and handed over to your parents? You're running out of time, right? Hopefully it's been done by now. Parents, how you doing with those lists? All right, kids are looking at their moms and dads. How are you doing with those lists? You know, one of the gifts of being a parent, uh, one of the joys of being a parent is being able to give, give good gifts to our kids, not to spoil them, but to show them our love and our care for them. You know, this is exactly what Jesus says of our Heavenly Father. He says He enjoys giving good gifts. He enjoys answering our requests. 
the story that we read that we read highlights this this truth that that God answers prayer. This story is about the importance of prayer. Prayer is not to be an an occasional reality. Why? Because as we see with these ancient people, life is full of battles. Battles between good and evil. And God's people feel the brunt of it. And so we see in this passage a battle where enemies appear out of nowhere and threaten God's people. And then we see how Moses responds with hands lifted high. He intercedes with prayer for his people. But Moses' hands grow tired, right? And he falters. And yet he shows us this truth that though he is weak, God is strong. We too face battles, not only physical, but also spiritual and emotional and relational battles. And we too can tire and grow weary. We can even wonder if our prayers are serving any purpose. But what Scripture presents us this morning is this truth. Because the victory belongs to the Lord, we are to call upon His name in prayer. That's what we're going to look at here this morning. We're going to divide our time into three areas. First, we're going to look at the battles we face. Then we're going to look at the throne of grace. And now watch what I'm up to. Uh, and God's promise to erase. All right? Sounds confusing there. They won't be once we get to the end. First, because the battles, because of the battles we face, we are to call upon the Lord. You know, I think some of the best stories in life begin, there we were, just minding our own business when all of a sudden. You like those stories, don't you? Well, we got one right here. There they were, the Israelites, just filling up their canteens and minding their own business. Then all of a sudden, verse 8, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Remember, Rephidim means what? Resting place. Yeah, right. Who is Amalek? Amalek is the was the grandson of Esau. Remember Esau? He was the brother of Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Uh, he's the one from whom Jacob stole the, the birthright and the blessing of God from, from uh, their father Isaac. Jacob and Esau were estranged brothers, right? And now Esau's offsprings, the Amalekites, were about to attack, kill, and plunder the Israelites. Isn't it true some of our most bitter or fierce battles can be within our own families? Jacob and Esau had long been in their graves, but the battles raged on. The Amalekites were a large band of nomadic warriors and they attacked the vulnerable people of God and their attack was cowardly and evil. How do we know? Well, two years later, it's recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses reminds the nation of the evil, cowardly attack. Here's what Moses writes. He says to the people, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt? How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail? those who were lagging behind you, and they did not fear God. The attack was unprovoked, and they attacked the weak and helpless stragglers at the back of the caravan. Rather than manning up in real battle, they preyed on the defenseless women and children. So Moses readies his people for battle the very next day. These are the facts on the ground. Now, what are the facts up in heaven? 
From God's perspective, this physical battle has spiritual causes. The Apostle Paul, many years later, writes of spiritual battle in his letter to the Ephesians. Many of you are well familiar with this, with this, with this statement. Paul writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle at Rephidim was physical in nature. People bled and died, but underneath it all was a spiritual battle. A cosmic battle between good and evil. Our lives are full of battles, all different kinds of them. Uh, some of them are physical in nature, but ultimately they're spiritual in nature. Our battles at school or at work or in our homes. But even closer, is it not the battle within, within our own souls, the temptations and the struggles that we have as we, as we seek to honor Christ with our lives? As battles come, we must first recognize our circumstances. The Amalekites began by attacking the weak and weary stragglers at the end of the caravan. And Moses was wise and thoughtful. He, he, he saw the, the, uh, the threat and he resolved that the enemy must not gain victory. Let me ask you, do you have eyes to see the spiritual attacks upon your own soul? You know, rarely does the enemy attack us from head on. He comes from behind, from the side, in ways in which we are vulnerable or blind to. He is crafty. As Jesus says, uh, Satan is the father of all lies. His tactic is to get us to doubt or deny things. Perhaps even for you to deny the fact that he even exists. If you don't think he exists, he's been successful. His tactics get us to doubt or deny things. Usually things that God has written for us in his word. Satan knows, though, he knows this. He knows he cannot alter our eternal trajectory. He knows that we are safe in God's hands. That is, our eternal reality of where we are going. We belong to Christ, and nothing can take that away. But the enemy does desire to come and meddle with our lives, to get us to in some way doubt or deny, or to some way to, to, to mar the glory of God as if that could ever be done. So let me ask you, what are the sinful areas in your life that you tend to downplay or ignore or cover up? Maybe it's greed or lust or maybe you've got an anger issue, selfish or pride or maybe love of possessions. There has to be something. Until Christ comes again, there is something in our lives that Christ would have us to work on, to battle against. You know, for me, it's pride. Self-sufficiency. Yeah, I want to appear to others as if I've got it all together. Look at that Mark Middle couple. He sure is sharp. He never drops the ball. I'm glad he's leading us. Dang, he's good. My friends, that is about the absolute worst thing a pastor can do is put on an air of having things mastered. I don't have things mastered. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I often don't live like it, though. You know, what you need to see in me is a man who doesn't have it together. A man who's dependent upon Christ for every aspect of his life. A man who is weak and tempted just like you, and yet somehow by God's grace, I'm able to make it through 
um, and in some way perhaps say or do something that honors my Lord. Don't you ever think that your pastors have it all together, your elders or your staff people? We're broken, needy, messy people just like you in constant need of God's grace. My friends, that's my spiritual battle. The, the, the enemy doesn't want me to acknowledge it. He prefers me to live as a caricature of a real genuine Christian. He wants me to live by a different model than what we live here at Grace Church. He wants me to live by the motto alive in me instead of alive in Christ. How about you? What are the areas of sin in your life that need battling against? A true battle. Not a a ceasefire until some other day, but a real battle today. Do you understand that the fact that you downplay these areas in your life is is in fact a sign that you need help in this spiritual battle? You cannot do it alone. So because of the battles we face, we are to call upon the Lord. Now let's see that because of the throne of grace, we are to call upon the Lord. You know, I think step one is to recognize the battles that we're in. But then what do we need to do? We need to bring them to the throne of grace. You know, the way of the world is, okay, I've got some things to work on. Now you just watch me. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to watch a TED Talk. And I'm going to be a better person. Nothing against TED Talks. But, you know, TED Talks, uh, T- Ted has a lot to give to Jesus. You know, Jesus uh, Jesus is the one who gives us, uh, he's the one we're to call upon. He's the one who gives the victory. And so we're to bring our needs to the throne of grace. That is to, to pray to our Heavenly Father that he would lead us in victory. That's what's happening in our story. Look at verses 9 through 11. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held, held his, up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. What's, what's going on here? Well, it's the first time we meet Joshua. Joshua's a cool dude. We're going to read more about him later in Scripture. Um, his name literally means the Lord is salvation. Wow, what a name, right? Uh, that's Jesus' name too. Joshua, Yeshua. For now, he's Moses' trusted field commander in battle, and, and he has one day to muster an army out of weak and wearied men. Moses says, I'm gonna go up to the top of the hill, alright? Alright, you guys have fun down here. I'm gonna go to the top of the hill. And temptation, like, when you see a leader do that, you're like saying, alright, he's making us do the work. Look at him. He's running off. He's gonna go climb up to the top of the hill. How's that going to help us? Well, it does help. Moses' role is to be an intercessor, to pray. Joshua's role is to go and fight. Listen, we must have both in the battles that we face. Joshua must go and fight, and Moses must raise up his hands in prayer. And what's the outcome? Whenever Moses' hands were held up, the Israelites prevailed. Whenever his hands came down, the Amalekites prevailed. You know, God could have totally worked out things differently, right? But what he wanted to demonstrate, right? Because everyone's looking. They're like, look, his hands are up. We're winning. His hands are down. We're, we're failing, right? Everyone's watching. What does God want to demonstrate? 
He wants to demonstrate to His people and to us today that there is power when God's people pray. There is power in prayer. Now, first, this isn't praying to God and then sitting on your hands. You know, so many Christians say they're praying to God for His to make His will known regarding all kinds of things. They they pray and then they sit on their hands. God, I'm barely making ends need, ends meet. I, I need a I need a job. Will you give me a job? And then they sit on their hands and they don't fill out a resume or do any networking, right? Or we say, Lord, you know, my marriage is rough. Please fix it. But they don't lift a finger to have God change anything in them, let alone seek to be peacemakers in the house. So we're to pray, and we're to move out in faith, and then we're to battle for the desired outcome. That's what we see here. Now, how does this truth challenge you? So perhaps anything you're sitting on your hands regarding in your prayer. Moses lifts his prayer into the very throne room of God, to God's throne of grace. Much later in the book of Hebrews, the writer describes Jesus on the throne. And this is a wonderful passage in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Why? That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. My friends, Jesus is risen. He is ascended. He's on a throne in heaven. He is eager to hear your pleas. He's ready and willing to sympathize with your weaknesses. He's a man who's experienced sorrow and rejection and bitterness and mocking and cruelty, yet without sin. Do you think he knows how to listen to your prayers? He does. He understands our weaknesses. Therefore, we're to pray to him on his throne with, with confidence. That is what God was demonstrating to his people all those years ago when Moses lifts his hands in prayer and the battle is being won and then when he lowers his hands in prayer, the battle is being lost. It's that simple. And all of Israel saw and should have understood. I think the application for us doesn't get any clearer. God answers prayer. Prayer moves the heart and hands of God. That is what God wants us to take from this passage. Now, do you believe this? You know, I spent time this week thinking about all the things that I and my family and this church do not have because of my lack of prayer. I've been thinking lately about how my I've stopped praying for my mother and my brother for their salvation. And I've even actually stopped actively sharing the gospel with them. about you? What are the things that you've given up praying for? Or what are the victories that you're perhaps forfeiting because you, you do not approach the throne of grace? I'm not saying this to, to weigh heavy on you. I'm just trying to show you the, 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 the reality. James says that we, we do not have because we do not ask. It's as simple as that. It can feel overwhelming, can't it? 
Like Moses, we can feel too weak to shoulder the burden of prayer. Thankfully, Moses models for us our need for others to come and to shoulder that burden with us. Verse 12 and 13. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and, and put it under him, and, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And the battle was won. Moses was a man of great prayer, and yet Moses became weak in prayer. My friends, this is not our struggle too. Prayer can be wearisome, especially some of these things you're praying for. You've been praying for years. Maybe you've slacked off. I remember praying for my father for his salvation for years and years and years. Finally, he came to know the Lord. Everything's in God's timing. We become weak in prayer. It's not just our struggle. Jesus' own disciples had that struggle too. So we're in good company. How do we know that? Remember when Jesus was went into the garden on the very last night? He asked his disciples, can you just please stay up and pray? And they didn't. They let him down. And he said, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Our spirits are willing. I don't think there's a single person in this room who doesn't want to, to lift up all kinds of prayer requests to the Lord. It's just We're just weak. And our Lord knows that. Isn't that wonderful? Moses' weakness demonstrated at least two things. One, his weakness served to magnify God's glory all the more. What did it do? It showed Israel that Israel was victorious, not because Joshua was a military genius, and or because Moses was a man of perfect prayer. But why? But because God led the fight. Phil Riken, who I'm indebted to a bit this morning, uh, he writes this. Here's what he said. He writes, Moses was only a man. And when the Israelites recounted the day's events, like later in the day, like, oh, did you, did you see what happened? They did not praise Moses' power in prayer. Instead, they said something like this. Did you see up that old Moses up there today? <laughs> Frankly, I wasn't sure he's going to make it. I don't know how much longer he would have been able to hold on. It's a good thing he had some help. Which leads to the second thing that Moses' weakness demonstrated. Our need for each other. Moses had help with his arms as they grew weary. Aaron, his brother, and then a guy named Hur that we've just now met, but we'll see him more later in Scripture as well. They, they sat him on a stone and they held his arms up so that he could continue in his prayer. My friends, this is a picture of corporate prayer. I don't let that word scare you off. Um, but um, corporate prayer, group prayer. You know, I remember the first time I was a part of a corporate prayer. I'd just become a Christian. Our church was praying for a new pastor, and it was a huge church. And so we, we, we committed to a weekend of prayer and of fasting. And we, we had all these different homes. And I was assigned a home to go to, a wonderful family. And there's like 25, 30 people all gathered in this big family room. And we're all around a circle. I'm like... What's going on here? I, I, I've not eaten. I know that. I know what that's like. But what's going to happen? You know. And so these a couple of leaders were like, they said, "Well, let's pray about this and this. And what else can we be praying for?" People were sharing prayer requests. I'm like, "Oh, okay." People are sharing things. All right. 
And then someone said, well, let's begin in prayer. I'll open it. And then I look around, everyone's heads go down. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my head down. I'm kind of looking up and people are praying. And I'm like, this is just kind of weird, but it's good. It's normal now, but back then, I, I'd never experienced anything like it. People praying out loud for the needs of others. You know, corporate prayer has always been a part of the Christian church. In the book of Acts, it's at a prayer gathering where, where what happens? The Holy Spirit descends on the people of God at a prayer meeting. The early church also met in the temple to pray. They met in people's homes to pray. And we know that that we're to gather in prayer, partly because Jesus promised that wherever two or more are gathered, he'll be there with them. But we also know that we're to gather in prayer because of our own weakness. We need help to lift up our hands, so to speak. You know, there's nothing like being surrounded by brothers and sisters who are praying for you. I've, I've experienced this many times. You know, Maybe some of you are like me. I, I feel like maybe people shouldn't make such a fuss about me, you know? <laughs> I, I go ahead and pray. Oh, you want to pray now? Okay. Oh, I'll sit. You're going to put your hands on me? All right. People making a fuss about me. But I've come to realize some of the most beautiful moments is when godly men and women lay their hands on you and pray for you. It's a beautiful thing to behold. Praise church. Let us be known as a praying church. First and foremost, what do you know about that church on the corner? Well, I hear they pray a lot. Amazing things happen. People are cured. You know, people are safeguarded. Uh, people have come to know the Lord in powerful, mighty ways. The missionaries they support around the world are thriving. The churches they're planting and the counseling centers, they're all just going like gangbusters. Our community needs us to be a praying church. Long Island needs us to be a praying church. If not us, then who? Right? Because of the battles we face and God's throne of grace, we're to call, we're to call upon the Lord in prayer. Last point. It goes pretty quick. Because of God's promise to erase, we're to call upon the Lord. God has promised to erase all of the brokenness in this world. He's promised a day when Christ will return. It's his second coming. Trumpets are going to sound, right? We're going to maybe hear some angel voices, maybe a little dean-like voice uh, is going to, we're going to hear it in the heavens and, and all the dead are going to rise from their graves. Those who are alive will, of course, be alive, but they're going to rise as well. Some, as Jesus says, to everlasting life, and some, as Jesus says, to everlasting death. This very earth will be cleansed of the curse of Adam. No more sin, sorrow, or shame. My friends, this day to come must be fixed in our minds. It helps us to call upon the Lord in prayer in mighty, powerful ways. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a day when heaven comes to earth. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be 400 years from now. I don't know. Jesus said not to worry about when. Just to live with the tension that we live in a broken world that is one day going to be miraculously restored 
And those who call upon the name of the Lord are going to dwell there. The battles will be over. Now, when you pray with that in mind, does that not change your prayers? They become less petty, don't they? You know? Our prayers become powerful. And we, that's what we see here is Moses is, 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 is being shown a sign that that day when God erases all things is to come. Verses 14 through 16, God asked Moses, he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and he called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. God tells Moses to write everything down that just happened. Now, what was it that that Yahweh, the Lord, instructed Moses to write so that Joshua would know it? He's supposed to write down that God says he's going to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek. In other words, these people who attacked you, these evil people who came along and they tried to grab your stragglers and steal from you and kill, there will be a day when they no longer exist. God's judgment will come upon them. Until then, there will be war from generation to generation. How did Moses respond? It's like, that's beautiful news. Thank you. Let's, let's worship. He, he sets up an altar. And he calls the altar, the, in English it says, the Lord is my banner. In Hebrew it's Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh, the Lord is my banner. A banner is a pole used in the military, in the army. It's a standard pole with a, with an insignia on it or words on it. And when I was in the army, we had, we had one, we had to walk around with it, right? So, but in the heat of the fog of battle, um, you knew you were in the right place when you're able to look up and you're to see the standard pole with the banner on it. You knew, you knew you were where you were supposed to be. Moses helps us to see that God alone is to be our banner. In the fog of war, in the battles on this earth, He's the one that we're to run to. And of course, Jesus Himself said, the Son of Man, that's what He called Himself, the Son of Man must be lifted up, and whoever believes in Him and looks upon Him may have eternal life. Jesus was lifted up on the cross to die for our sins. And so whenever we come to under attack, Christ and His cross or it's a means by which we get courage in the battles of this life. It's a sure sign to us that God has promised a day, not just when Amalek is gone and his offspring, but all of that which is broken in this world will one day be done with. And so we're to call upon the Lord with that day in mind. How would your prayers change if you prayed with that day in mind? Maybe instead of God, just make it so I can get through Christmas at my in-laws' home this summer, or this winter, or this this year rather. Maybe we start praying, Lord, help me be an example of Christ to my in-laws this year, that their eyes would open to their need of a Savior, that 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 I would honor my Savior in everything that I do and say. Our prayers change when we pray in light of that day to come when God erases all that is sinful. And broken. Our prayers become more alive with God's grace and with His love. We pray more like our Lord and Savior who on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't get wrapped up in 
petty issues, did he? His instinct was to forgive, not to judge. Because he knew that day was coming when he would return. And some would rise to eternal death. In what ways do your prayers need to be prayed more in line with the coming end of age? So this morning we've seen that the victory belongs to the Lord. Therefore, we're to call on Him in prayer. A couple of points of application before we gather at the Lord's table. Will you pray for me that I would live a powerful, courageous, self-sacrificial life for my Savior here at this church? And will you pray for yourself that you would be a person who's more vulnerable, more willing to say, you know what? This is an issue, and I'm done with it. I'm done with the ceasefire. I'm, I'm going to battle this out. Will, will you come alongside me? Will you, will you pray with me? And you know, we, we gather every Sunday, or every, every month, the first Sunday of the month, for corporate prayer here at Grace Church. It seems like just something on the calendar, but it really is most important. The most important thing we can be doing is praying. At that meeting, you get a long list of all kinds of things to pray for. We don't even get around to praying for all of them, but you get to have it for the rest of the month to pray on your own. Maybe join our email prayer list. We've got one. You can just take the connection card out and say, put me on the email prayer list. Two, three, four times a week, you get an, uh, an email sharing with you some, some issue or concern or struggle or problem that someone in our church is facing. And guess what? People pray for it. And then they're able to talk to you later about it. Say, hey, how are things going? I've been praying for you. And lastly, if you'd like prayer, I put this in this morning after I found out Rob Mimoni was going to be our liturgist instead of Bob Cathell. If you would like prayer this morning, one of our elders, Rob Mimoni, will be available right up here for prayer. He loves to pray. He'll pray for you. So, my friends, there are battles that we face, battles to endure in difficult relationships and circumstances, battle to overcome the sin in our lives, battle, battles to die to self and to come alive in Christ Jesus. And because of these battles, we are to be a people who cry out to our God in prayer. And we know that God is on His throne, and it's a throne of grace. He welcomes us to come in confidence. He knows that He has mercy for us, for all who seek to Him. And we've come to see that God gives us a promise that captures our mind, a day to come when He makes all things new, a promise to erase all that stains this world, a problem for a kingdom, a, a, a promise of a kingdom to come. My friends, the Lord is our banner. And so in the fog of battle of life that we face, let us run to Him in prayer. Let's pray. Father, it really truly is a privilege to pray. You're, the heavens are thrown wide open. Not because of we're, the fact that we're good people or good prayers. The, the heavens have been opened up because your son came to do that for us. He's the far greater Moses, the one whose arms don't weary on the hill of heaven. He's eager to to. to to hear our prayer requests. And we pray now that we would be a people who pray, who really truly believe. 
Help us. We're weak. We're, we're not. Times we're just not good at it. We're thankful that there's grace for when we fall short. As we gather around this table, may we receive the mercy we need and the grace we need to endure. Amen.